This is Greg Amortis from Land of the Creeps Horror Podcast, and you're listening to the Horror Movie Podcast, where they are dead serious about horror. <laughs> Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 152, another Frankensteinian episode where we just bring you a variety of basically whatever we want to talk about pertaining to horror movies and the horror cinema industry. On Horror Movie Podcast, you also get in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my co-hosts tonight are... Dave, Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. Wolfman Josh, and guys, I don't have a quote for tonight. <laughs> no problem. Because <laughs> I would have no idea what to say anyway. Because you, you pull such random things sometimes, I'm completely thrown off. So, Josh, would you do me a favor and tell the listeners a little bit about the horror movie podcast sponsored episode that we just released in our Patreon subscription feed? Yes. Yeah, so for people who don't know, uh, we're part of the Movie Podcast Network, which is uh, shows that all of us are kind of involved with and our friends shows. And we do a Patreon feed where each month you get a bonus episode from one of the shows on the network, usually some kind of Frankenstein of different members from different shows coming together. And those are always fun, I think, as well. And then oftentimes there's additional bonus episodes beyond just the one a month. Sometimes it's like three or four a month. Sometimes it's just the one a month, but you're you're always getting some extra content. And really the point of doing it is just to kind of help support us and help us keep the lights on here because we do this for free. So mm-hmm. uh, this month we did another horror movie podcast sponsored show, as Jay said. And for those of you who heard the last episode, you'll maybe remember that it is our summer vacation horror episode. So we talked about... <laughs> Horror on holiday and people who were in uh, run into some tough spots while on a a summer vacation. And we hope it's something that our listeners can enjoy on their summer vacation. So uh, I don't know if we want to spoil the films or if that's part of the fun. But if you go and become a subscriber to our Patreon feed, then you can listen to that episode as well as. All, any of the previous episodes for the small, small cost of just $2 and 50 cents uh, per month. You don't have to continue paying. You can do a one month subscription. Of course, we appreciate your continued support. And of course uh, you can, you can donate more as a patron than the two fifty minimum as well. But yeah, just head over to patreoncom slash movie podcast network. And the most recent episode is special features. Number 20 summer vacation, horror movies, from your boys here and you can become a patron all right thank you and there's some other great older shows out there i mean i just thinking of the the movie posters that we did that uh that kyle dr walking dead was part of 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you haven't heard that, that's definitely worth worth listening to. And then our our top kills, our top yep. uh, kills in horror movies with uh, Joel. Uh, yeah, Gilman Joel had joined us for, mm-hmm. and yep. who else? There was somebody else on on that episode as well. I think I'm not. Uh, it was William Rowan Jr. William Rowan, yes, William Rowan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, we've done a lot of uh, different types of shows. I think on there we've done we we do commentaries occasionally, and so we've reposted some of the old commentaries that Jay and I did together on Movie Podcast Weekly. But mm-hmm. you have a Cujo commentary <laughs> uh, for the horror fans. We've got Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. If you want, feel like a comedy. Uh, there's a, there's all kinds of fun stuff on there. There's an episode that William Rowan Jr. actually produced with Jay talking about podcasting. And Jay gives you, if you want to start your own podcast, like two and a half hours of tips on getting going on podcasting. <laughs> and so, that, was, that was excellent, by the yeah, way. That was good, an excellent show. Some good stuff on there. Thank you. And um, we actually, we have posted uh, foot, uh, audio, I guess, from our meetup event last October, but William... Also, has just gotten us a whole slew of recordings from that event. So we're actually, over the next couple of months, we're going to post probably six more mini episodes from the meetup event, just <laughs> interviews with our listeners and fun stuff. And then mm-hmm. the other thing I want to plug that's on this is the Best Picture Podcast, which was a kind of a short-lived podcast that the two of you together where I'm constantly... Uh, promoting i want i want you guys to do more of them but um those have been a lot of fun to listen to where you talk about all the best picture nominees of a given year and go through that so that's thank a you lot of fun stuff on that patreon yeah. feed thank you yeah dave josh was saying that that was uh dave and i produced that episode we had a little bit of a internet problem right there for a split second josh but but yeah that was fun dave and i did three episodes on that one and it just took forever to prepare, right? Right, right. Dave? That was, that's what it was. And, and you had other things you were doing. And, and I think I was still part of mm-hmm. of other things. And it was just, it was a lot. It was great, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed preparing for those shows to see the ones that I hadn't seen. Because every now and again, you know, I'd like a, a gem pops up like i like what was that moulin rouge from what what did we do was it 52 yeah that was one I of the years was. I, I was i was not looking forward to seeing that movie and i ended up being really impressed with it you know and and <laughs> um so i liked i liked doing that and i wouldn't mind doing like maybe like josh was recommending maybe one a year or something mm-hmm. if you did we the should. current year enough mm-hmm. to keep me easy right but then even did maybe two episodes a year so you went back and did one retro every year and then the current year every year that would be pretty i think that would be okay. enough to keep your fans satiated and and begging for more that's what we should do dave we we should do that josh yeah. has thrown out the yeah. the challenge and um thrown down the gauntlet and yeah we're gonna we'll is that the saying throw down the gauntlet i don't know what the hell i'm talking about it's 11 30 at night right no, but i, <laughs> I, I it's like throw down the gauntlet yes and i and i accept i would i would love to do that and i think jay it's your turn to pick the year yep okay you got it i'm on it all right <laughs> all right then well thank you um guys for uh promoting our patreon feed and as josh said it is uh strictly you know we're not trying to make you know, get rich off this. We're just trying to keep the lights on, as Josh said. So um, every little bit helps. So we appreciate you. Thank you. Okay, well, at this point, Josh, I am very intrigued and looking forward to Wolfman Josh's feature review of The Ranger. It's springtime in Blackwood Point National Park. Here's what to know. 
before you go. Bring a map. You could get lost out there. Watch your step so you don't get caught in the snags and brambles. Use the buddy system. The woods are wild and full of predators. And most importantly, keep noise to a minimum. This isn't a place for you kids to party. Okay, The Ranger is a 2018 film. It still is rolling out to theaters across the country. I believe it opens in New York on August 13th, and I'll double-check that before the end of my review. But it is currently coming to theaters somewhere near you, so be on the lookout for that. But uh, The Ranger, it premiered at South by Southwest. It's a little indie slasher 80s throwback, and it's a lot of fun. I think it's the, you know, when I say indie, it has both the, you know, the Sundance indie kind of quality and also the indie horror kind of quality. It's kind of a mishmash of those two styles. I think if you're adverse to comedy in your horror, you may not enjoy this very much. It's not that it's straight up comedy, but the characters are. Definitely kind of like the wisecracking, always joking around types of characters. Question about that, Josh. Now, is that even once the killing starts? Because I'm fine with that if they're silly in the beginning and then when the killing starts, everything gets sober. But is it throughout even in the midst of killing? Because that's... The killer is crazy, Mm -hmm. but he is a little silly. It's called the Ranger, so maybe it's probably not giving anything away to say it's a park ranger. Right. And he will let them know what park regulations they're violating before he knocks them off, you know? And so it's not quite a trauma film, but it's kind of like halfway between that and Friday the 13th. You know what I mean? So I gotcha. uh, And so I think Friday the 13th fans, especially like if you like the more comedic ones, like three or four, you might appreciate the Ranger. Um, It's not as hardcore as those movies, but it is kind of, you can tell that it's that type of film that's an inspiration. Mm -hmm. I think what's fun for me is I, I love punk subculture and seeing that represented on film. And so I think it's a lot of fun to see these characters. um, And and that's what I should say. So it's basically about these teen punk rockers. They're at a a club using some drugs when the cops come in and uh, shut down their party and they run for it. And one of these punk kids ends up stabbing a cop during the commotion. And so they have to kind of go on the lamb. And so they decide they're going to go to the mountains and stay at this girl's uncle's cabin who the uncle has passed away. And this girl has not been back to the cabin since her uncle passed away. And when she, uh, when they're on their way up to the cabin at a convenience store, they have a run in with a park ranger who she remembers from her childhood and who she has had some kind of troubling experience with in her past that we're not really sure what that is at first. Okay. And so they go up to the cabin and they're, being super annoying, like, you know, the characters of Friday the 13th part three or something. (laughs) Right. Um, And, uh, you know, and it has, they have like the kind of punk quality of those characters. There's a, there's a scene that reminds me of the convenience store scene in that film with the punk characters. And they, you know, they're also kind of reminiscent of the punks in return of the living dead a little bit, but they look more authentic, I think than either of those films, Um, Mm -hmm. a mix between real street punks and what you might see in like SLC punk or something. Nice. But um, I don't know, just kind of a fun film. Good, good 80s slasher throwback. It seems like it's low budget. It's produced by uh, Larry Fessenden's company. 
cool. like glass eye picks is involved with it. And he is a very, very, very small kind of cameo role in this film, but you know, it's it, so it has that kind of vibe. That's probably actually the best way of kind of letting you know what the right. tone is. Let me ask you something about the Ranger killer character. If it's, mm-hmm. if it's not a spoiler, of course, but um, the way you were describing it, for some reason I was uh, reminded of like Dwight Schrute from the office. Is it like his, his character like because it sounds like that that would be actually really good if like almost like the cable guy like a character (laughs) like that who just snaps and goes too far i think that is kind of the idea here okay the actor plays it in kind of i don't know it's an interesting performance i I feel like i'd almost have to see it again to really get the most out of what it was it was a little strange like he makes some weird choices which i think are interesting i think he's an interesting actor but it is different you know so i'd like to see it again that's jeremy holm who plays the ranger the lead girl is chloe levine who people who've seen the oa would probably recognize her and then she would be most recognizable in from the film the transfiguration the kind of like indie vampire film from was it last year the year before Mm -hmm. you know that you remember that one i know the one yeah the kind of inner city indie vampire film yeah, it's the it's the young lady from that, the love interest from that is our main character here. And she does a great job. She's she's an interesting young actress. And um all of the actors, the supporting cast, I think, are doing a pretty decent job. Like they're giving it their all. They're not all the best actors. Some are better than others, but they're going for it. So mm-hmm. it's fun. And again, I, I just like the aesthetic. You got all these guys in their studded jackets and blue hair, and uh, you know, they kind of look like a mishmash between like a real street punk, but then also you've got kind of like these guys who look like, um, like they're out of say anything or something like, like John Cusack and say anything. <laughs> right. Okay. I don't know. It's just fun. It's just a fun, like look and style, but it's a pretty straightforward, basic slasher in terms of the way that whole story plays out. I would say probably the backstory is the most interesting. And I think the real thing to look for is, you know, we this filmmaker, Jen Wexler, she's a producer and she's done films like Darlene and psychopaths, which are, Mm-hmm. interesting films uh abcs of death part two she was a producer on this is kind of her featured debut as a director and i think she does a great job here and i'm confident that i you know when she has like a really strong script and you know bigger budget that she could do something really interesting i think the camera work is good the you know the directing is good here so nice um, some of the lines fall flat and it's you know I think people who are expecting like a hardcore horror film might be a little disappointed by the the level of comedy, but it's not like Tucker and Dale or something like that or Zombieland. It's intending to be a horror film, but they're just some kind of goofy moments. Okay. You remember, um, I I loved it, the the film. I'm going to try to get the title right because there was another film that had a very um, similar title. Yeah, The Final Girls, and that was the one that we, we preferred. is it that one has a good bit of comedy in it too is it in the same spirit as that one or not not so much i mean a little bit i guess just the way that they kind of interact with the killer maybe a little bit there but that one's a lot more over the top this is pretty straightforward the film is like big and brash and does a lot of crazy things and i think it's actually for a comedy horror film kind of like a masterpiece of that subgenre i think it's a fantastic film this is not quite as strong as that, but I think it is a, a strong first film. And again, like I just love the world it takes place and love anything in the woods, mm-hmm. like a good slasher. This is definitely an 80s throwback. I believe it's set in the 80s. I mean, there's not like technology 
to like really tip you off that it's it's new like all you know it is like all retro looking stuff and you know these punk characters are definitely like of an era for the mainstream we've talked about this before most likely in our slasher episodes but the 80s slashers are very precious to us who have lived through that i mean a lot of us we yeah. even even though they're not like the best films necessarily and so it almost sounds like that this film even though it's it's not perfect of course it almost sounds like it fits right in there so i mean it, it it always surprises me when somebody is is hard on a modern day slasher when it's still kind of i mean there's a charm to the 80s slashers but it sounds like this has charm too you know the film i would most kind of compare it to is the film lost after dark if anyone remembers that film from a few years ago oh yeah mm-hmm. it it's kind of that tone um in terms of being okay. like an 80s slasher vibe okay gotcha so. nice so what do you where do you come in at on ratings for um, the Ranger? So again, I'm really excited about the director, and I think it's a fun world. You know, I think it is a little straightforward in terms of the slasher elements, but the backstory with the Ranger is interesting. It's just like a little uneven in terms of how it plays, and are we supposed to be terrified? Are we supposed to be laughing? Are we supposed to be disturbed? I wasn't totally clear on that. Like you know, it's, it's just a little uneven in that way. But for me, I quite enjoyed it. I would give this one a 7 out of 10, and I would definitely call it a rental recommendation for people who like 80s slasher films. Mm -hmm. And I would say see it in the theater if you can. So yeah, I did look it up. It is going to be in theaters here on August 13th in New York City. Get a rope. (laughs) Um, They're they're, going to have a one-week run in New York City at the IFC Center. Uh, starting on August 17th, I apologize. So that is the that is the day that uh, one week run at the AFC Center in New York City, August 17th. It is kind of rolling out to different areas. And like I said, it's kind of been in different limited release since March. But keep an eye out for this one. Um, I don't know that they've released the like home video VOD dates for this. But when they do, we will definitely let people know. Cool. That's great. So that's called The Ranger from 2018. And Wolfman Josh gives it a 7 out of 10. He says, see it in the theater. Otherwise, once it's out of theaters, he calls it a rental. That sounds great. Josh, I appreciate you uh, bringing that to our attention. And I know Josh needs to step away uh, from the show for a little while. You'll be joining us uh, a little bit later, but you got some work to do. But before you go, Josh, Mm -hmm. let me just say, as we record this today, it's August 1st. And that is a very special day to me because it is Dr. Rick Moody's birthday. He was my favorite film professor <laughs> and I'm obsessed with this guy. I absolutely love him to pieces. And Josh, the reason That's where we differ, I, I know you, <laughs> you don't love him as much as I do, but here's the thing. He loves storm of the century the way you uh-huh. and you and I love storm of the century. So I'm just saying, I think we found a, guest for part two of winter with stephen king you know it you know it he would be great for that because he's hilarious but anyway i know that no one else knows or cares about this but it's a big it's a holiday to me as far as i'm concerned you know i email him you worship this guy i I reach out to him every august first sometimes like i'll go to the college where he teaches and I'll, i'll like stop in and wish him a happy birthday or take him a little present or something. Holy but, cow. but I email yeah, him wow. every year. Well, it's just respect. I was going to say you, you don't, you don't pay any attention to that restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just respect. You know, I have, I have a lot of respect for all that he did for my, um, you know, enhancing my knowledge and appreciation of the cinema last story about this. Cause I don't want to bore people, but in 2007, 
I had his intro to film class. And I loved it so much. Like that notebook, I wrote his quotes in it and everything. And that notebook mm-hmm. is, is one of my dearest treasures. If there were a fire, you know, that's one of the things I would try to get out of this house. Wow. But just to tell you how much I love it, I had um, one of my heart surgeries, like an actual pacemaker surgery when this class was. And they let me out that day. And that day that they let me out of the hospital, I had just come out of surgery and I went straight to class having just walked and I could barely walk, you know, and everybody thought I was insane, but I didn't care. And I felt terrible. I was in, we we, we think you're insane. I was in, I was in immense pain during that class, but I I still took notes and loved it. So um, anyways, happy birthday to Dr. Moody, August 1st. Wow. Interesting. (laughs) No, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's definitely a character. So it'd be fun to get him on the show. I, I don't, I, he would certainly not remember me. I don't stop in and wish him happy birthday. But yeah, he, he's got stuff to say. Oh, so yeah, for sure. It'd be fun to have him on the show. All right. We'll he was do a it. sci-fi guy more, if I remember correctly. Wasn't that kind of like his favorites? Honest to goodness, he he talked about horror a lot. He was a big horror fan. He okay. he also like he was quite fond of Clown House as well. He said it delivered the goods, despite you know the Victor Salva and the other sad associations with that film. But anyways, there you have All right. it. You're gonna step away for a while, Josh, and then join us later on. Sounds good. Okay, buddy. All righty, sir. Thank okay, you. Okay, yeehaw. We'll see you guys later. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah, take care. <laughs> All right, and at this point, let's move into our feature review of The First Purge from 2018. Tonight allows people a release for all the hatred and violence that they keep up inside them. This won't bring him back. It won't make you feel any better. Thank you. It is a night that is defining our country. Citizens, this will be a tradition we celebrate every year. I actually made it a point to um, get to the theater and see this film because we had a... I was was on break from work this morning when I got your text. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I was on on break at work, I should say, when I got your text (laughs) saying that you were at the theater and you were um, Mm -hmm. going to be checking out the first purge. And I was like, yeah, that's great. That's that's right. And thank you. Thank you guys for being happy for me. Um, It seems like over on Movie Podcast Weekly... Andy, that guy, he has uh, such a flexible type of work schedule. It almost always seems like I'm working or doing something unpleasant and he's texting me about what movie he's watching and and, and like I always get super annoyed. So I was really <laughs> impressed that you guys wrote back and were positive. <laughs> like, you know, oh, yeah. enjoy. <clears throat> so anyways, yeah, we had a listener ask us if we could um, get to this one. So I wanted to make sure we worked it in. Because actually, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of this franchise. I mean, Dave, let's just talk a little bit about the franchise. What have you thought about the the Purge movies thus far? Have you seen them uh, all? I haven't seen a single one of them. Oh, really? Okay. I have not seen, and I have two of them on Blu-ray. Okay, well, let's uh, let, let's talk about this real quick then, and uh, no spoilers, of course. But um, if you ask me, I don't know if the listeners will agree. Usually, they don't agree with me, so that's fine. <laughs> But but uh, The Purge from 2013, the, the very first one, starring Ethan Hawke, that one to me is still my favorite, and to me it's the most horror-esque. I mean, it, it, it definitely has, um, you know, the home invasion kind of feel. You've got this family, they're holed up 
um, in, trying to hide out in their house and survive the purge. Now, do you know the premise to the purge? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know the, the premise one night every year. Mm-hmm. Um, all hell's allowed to break loose and it's legal. And um, yes. Yeah. Yes. All, all crime is legal, including murder. And the idea is it, it's like a a societal, um, you know, I, I guess <laughs> outlet where people who are frustrated or angry or whatever it is, they can express their rage and it actually. Uh, lowers crime in society for the rest of the year. And and so, anyway, that first Purge, though, um, it feels like a horror film, and it's really um, straight-up horror to me. Now, um, the second Purge, that one, um, it's called The Purge Anarchy, and that's from 2014. Um, that one felt more like an action movie to me. I mean, it's still, I'd call it action horror, but... It, it it's really on the move. There's a lot of like, you know, gun scenes and fighting scenes and and battle scenes and so forth. So it's more along the lines of an action horror, as far as I'm concerned. And so um, I was a little disappointed in that because I loved the the cold blooded, disturbing horror of the first one. Okay, and now um, I hope I don't get in trouble here. I believe <laughs> the third one was uh, The Purge Election Year from 2016. Now, that one, I have to confess, and I'm sorry, but I did not get around to seeing that one, Dave. I didn't see the third one. And it, it's not... Well, hell, I just, I just admitted I haven't seen a single one of them. Okay, <laughs> well... <laughs> so, hey, I mean, you know, what uh, what am I going to say? Well, here's the thing, though. <laughs> you, you have done this remarkable uh, DVD challenge where you were, you know, re- reviewing a film a day for seven years. So you've got a good excuse. Well, you- yeah, but I mean, this this series has been around now in six years. I You just said 2012. I'm like, my God, this has been around for six years now. Yeah, 2013 um, to present. Yeah, so I mean. I got two of them on Blu-ray. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to correct it. Hopefully by the time this episode drops, okay. I will have at least seen the two that you have seen. Oh, yeah, definitely watch the first one. And I think after you watch the first one, you'll be like, okay, I'm in. I'm in for the second one. And, and the thing is, I wanted to watch Election Year. It was just, um, you know, I just didn't get around to it yet, and I felt bad about that. But because this fourth one here, which is called The First Purge, obviously you can tell by the title that it is a prequel. And so I felt like, okay, I could, st- I could still see this prequel, you know, since it, it you know, it, it sets up before even the takes first up, movie. It takes place beforehand, yeah. That's right, that's right. And then, just a little side note before I get into the full-blown review, but um, there's also a uh, Purge television series, which this just shocks me. There's a Purge television series, and, and after the film is over, kind of halfway through the mid-credits, they do like a commercial for that as well. And so... Um, that's kind of interesting. Wow. I mean, I, I, I was shocked that that was happening. And, and I believe that is set to premiere on September 4th, 2018. And so, you know, I, I don't do as much horror television as other horror fans. And it seems to be more, uh, well, I want to say prevalent. There's a lot more nowadays than there have been in, in, mm-hmm. in years past. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot. I mean, it's it's become... Uh, it's everywhere, and and I think that that's great. 
Yeah, it's a great. You know, I think more so, more so than at any other time in his. I remember, you know, growing up, you'd had Friday the Thirteenth series, and you had Tales from the Dark Side, and and things like that. Um, and, but it's nothing like like it is today. You just it's it's horror is everywhere, and I got to you know what? I just I want to throw this in here, and this is sort of out of the. But I was I was you know finding old movie books as I'm cleaning things up. And one of them is the Golden Turkey Awards, where they talk about like the biggest <laughs> box office bombs. It's like a Michael Medved book. Okay, that's so it's snarky as hell. All right, but they talk about um, you know the biggest bombs, um, box office failures, and they touch on every every genre except horror. There is not a single horror movie among the all time box office bombs. <laughs> Well, you're yeah, and we know why, right? Because and we know why the yeah, horror community a, they don't cost much, and B they always you know they there's an audience for them exactly. But it's funny because you get you have comedy, there's even sci-fi in there. There's there's comedy, there's plenty of romance, there's drama, there's some foreign movies, there's action movies, but not a single horror movie has made that list. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Totally, totally with you. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we support our our cinema community, the, our cinema genre. We love it and we support it. I mean, that's why, I mean, sometimes I get frustrated by uh, some of the low quality stuff that's, that's out there because, I mean, I, I just, sometimes I feel like, I don't know, this, <laughs> production companies take advantage of you know our insatiable you know horror fans yeah. hunger you know sometimes i feel that way but it's funny because I, i've come around a little bit and i think i mentioned on the show before like with with blumhouse when they put out things like you know um, i mean i don't want to you know happy death day which i wasn't a big fan of i know you liked it and a lot of people did like that one yeah but what was the new one they just put out i know josh had reviewed it and he wasn't too, too oh, keen on it truth oh, or dare was it truth, truth or, dare? or dare yes and he wasn't too big on that but you know what blumhouse has been doing a lot of great stuff with the indies and i think i mentioned mm-hmm. it maybe even in that episode but if that makes them the money to continue to do stuff for with the indie you know to continue to release these indie films then what the hell i'm you know that's that's as good for the genre as if they were turning out a great movie every time. Right. And I see, I can, I agree with you there. I'm not even talking about that because, you know, truth or dare and even something like the unfriended movies. I mean, there is an audience for that still. I mean, there are people who appreciate that, but you can find, and and we've all seen them. You can find horror films where it's like, okay, well, what did this cost? Like $10. And like, like how, how is this, put well, out yes and, and i'm not being a jerk yes. i'm no, just no, no, i want to no, make no. a distinction because yes i mean I, I would say almost every film is some somebody's passion project and they've got their family's income you know riding on that and so i try to really appreciate that and it's easy to be a snarky critic and a guy who doesn't right. produce movies like me and you know pass judgment on everybody's stuff but i'm just saying there, there comes a point because I used to be an art creator as well. I was a songwriter. And like, if I wrote a song that I was like, yeah, that's probably not up to snuff. Then I wouldn't put it on a CD and try to sell it to people. I'm just saying it's like, right. there's a rewrite process that you got to be a little bit more, you know, discerning. That's all I'm saying. So well, I understand that, but it's a little different. I think you writing a song 
than 100 people getting together and putting on a movie with someone else's money that, you know, that they've they've put it together. At some point, the, the money people are going to be like, even if the artistic people are like, well, this didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to. The money people are going to be like, well, we've got money sunk into this. It's getting released. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we're hitting this date, whether you're ready to go or not. I mean, that you know, it's a little bit different from one person writing a song and a hundred people putting a movie together with someone else's money. Right. I know. I get that. And it is, it is hard to make this distinction clear. And I'm sure the listeners are annoyed with me already, but I, I think, have you ever watched a movie and, and you said to someone else, cause I've, I've had this experience. Has this person ever even seen a movie before? Like, have they, well, yeah. have they oh, seen, or, or, or like if there's like zero script, like, like you're like, yeah. uh, were they making it up as they go along? I feel like if you have something like that in the first place, you know, maybe spend a little more time in rewrites, you know, like may, yeah, uh, maybe work on disagree. it. I don't disagree. And, you know, yes, I, there have been plenty of movies, plenty of low, like micro budget horror films where you're watching them and and it's funny how a lot of the ones that that really rub me the wrong way are the ones that try to be the horror comedies oh yeah okay you know where where they're where they're trying to do the comedy and it's just not it's not funny it's something like maybe their group them and their them and their friends got together and laughed like crazy when they were drunk one night Mm -hmm. um but it just doesn't translate as well yeah, screen kind of like um, Adam Sandler movies, where only Adam Sandler and his dumb friends think that's funny, but they put it out for everybody else to be subjected to. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like Happy Madison. I got to be honest. Oh well, yeah, was there are like golf one. There are rare the ones. One. Yeah, yeah. There, there, I liked. I liked Happy. I was Happy <laughs> Madison the golf one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I did like. I did like. Uh, I did like that one. We're like way off course right now, Dave. Yeah, it's so funny. I was ta- at the beginning of this. I said, "Hey, do you think we can wrap this up in an hour?" Like, yeah. We've already taken <laughs> ten minutes. Well, I think I don't think we haven't even moved a step. I know. On I'm a damn schedule. We just put together. <laughs> I'm sorry, and I apologize to the listeners. Here's the thing: we love talking about movies. We're obsessed with the cinema, and so uh, please forgive us. Okay. So, anyways, back to the first purge. Let's let's get back to that. So, um, this one is directed by Gerard McMurray. Um, but it was still written by James DeMonico, and James DeMonico was the director of the first three films and um, also the writer. So he's written all of them, but there's a different director this time. And oh, By uh, the way, Jay, I'm sorry. I got to say it's Happy Gilmore. I was saying Happy Madison. Oh, yeah. Gilmore. Yeah, that's correct. Billy Madison. I was mixing two movies. It's Billy Madison yeah, and, and the, Happy Gilmore. And the reason Happy Gilmore is the one I like. Yes, and the reason you said Happy Madison's because that's like his production company or something because he's blended those together. Sure, let, let's go with that. Yeah, I believe that's that's the case. So, anyway, sorry all the Adam Sandler fans. So they're double they're double pissed at us right now, Dave. <laughs> right, right. But I did correct it. I corrected it pretty quick. <laughs> that's right. But um, I still don't take back the fact that his movies are dumb. Anyways, okay. Um, <laughs> so this one was produced by um. Jason Blum and Michael Bay. And, and so, I mean, it's, you know, obviously this franchise has legs. I mean, they're doing a TV series. Now, here's what I want to say about this. I think the first thing to point out is um, I feel like this is one of those examples, and this is a big compliment, where the hor- this horror cinema is reflecting sentiments of our society. I think it's a, a really prominent example of that. 
Now, Dave, you'll you'll need to help me. Um, I'm a little, you know, rusty here on this, but wasn't it like um, during the Red Scare and the McCarthy era where, you know, they were running they were running these Hollywood people out on a rail and getting rid of them for oh, being yeah. communists. And, if, and they, if they had communists, if they had any sort of ties to correct. communism, that you had the, the blacklist. Yeah, they got blacklisted. They blacklisted. Yes. And and so my question is, though, like there were films, right? There were films that they made that were still pretty like they were metaphors. And, and and you could see in the film the message that they were throwing out there. It was pretty blatant and brazen. And it's funny because two of the movies that they had didn't, done that with were were um, were westerns. Mm-hmm. I mean, High Noon right. was written by. Um, I'm trying to pull up the. Uh, oh man, High Noon. To see the name, I, I can't remember right off the top of my head who the writer was. It's one of my faves. Uh, written by Carl Foreman. Mm-hmm. And he was blacklisted at the time, and it really is about this guy. Uh, you know, when you think about it, Gary Cooper trying to trying to get someone to help him, everyone's sort of turning their back on him, and mm-hmm. that's what this writer was, I guess, going through at the time. Yes, um, and I can't. Oh boy, I knew you'd well, come through. I knew you'd come through with an at least one example. And yeah, that's I, one. I'd said two, and there is another western out there that is almost i mean one of the one of the the name of the the name of the villain is mccarthy you know after the whole mccarthy <laughs> era uh, it had dan duria in it i mean i'm gonna have to now i gotta look it up because now it's gonna drive me crazy yeah and i feel bad for not remembering high noon because that's that's probably my favorite western it's incredible i love that film but yeah go ahead and look it up and let me know when you find it but um just to tell the listeners i mean that's that's what we have here is I feel like there's some very blatant and important social commentary going on with the first purge um, because there's a there's a lot of uh, unrest obviously depicted in these movies you know civil unrest and social unrest and and we have that here um, yeah the movie was Silverload from 1954 oh okay I don't know that one um, Dan Duria plays is McCarty. But it's, you know, not too thinly veiled. Right. <laughs> um, I actually came across this movie thanks to um, Martin Scorsese, his personal journey with Martin Scorsese through American film. It's directed by Alan Dwan. Oh, yeah, I must and see. This is one that he talked about. And it is, it's a really good Western, very well, you know, very technically uh, sound uh, Western and, and a great story about a, a sheriff accused of murder by this McCarty who rides into town. He's about to get married, the sheriff and McCarty rides into town and accuses him of murder. And the town folks start to abandon him at that point. This guy they've known all this time. He says, I didn't do this. I'm not guilty, but the town folks still abandon him. And that's, you know, again, not too thinly veiled uh, take on the whole McCarthy era. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's awesome. And uh, by the way, High Noon is in um, just about, I mean, it's one of the most accurate real-time movies set in real-time. It's not a perfect, but it's pretty no. close to real-time. It's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, okay, so once again, back to the first bridge. <laughs> we're, we, we're, we're, we're so we're, funny. When Josh is not here, we are all over the place. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, okay, so... America in in this in this film, America has um, this third political party called the New Founding Fathers of America, or the NFFA, and um, 
they decide what like one of their like a behavioral uh psychologist here she's a prominent person in the community played by marissa tomei he's called the architect dr updale um she has this this theory on this experiment where if they if they have this um one night of 12 hours on staten island and they just they only do it in this one area where you know, basically the purge rules are in place where any crime, any sort of, you know, havoc and mayhem you want to do is legal as long as, you know, I mean, there really are no restrictions in terms of crimes. There's just weapons class restrictions. I mean, you can't set up a nuclear weapon, but, but anyway, you can, you know, shoot people and all kind of stuff. Everybody knows this. So that, that's what they're trying. Now, this is a, a, a low-income type of area on, on Staten Island in this area where they are. And there's like, what we do is we follow characters around this this um, this low-income high-rise development that's kind of, you know, a, a pretty rough place to live. And so you get various characters in this community. There's like, um, there's like a total nut job psychopath. They call his, his nickname, his street name is Skeletor. Um, he's a little bit over the top. Um, you have like this uh, drug organization, this drug dealer who's, you know, he, he reminds me of Avon Barksdale from The Wire a little bit. He's like that equivalent, a character. And and then you've got like this political activist, you know, she's and and then her little brother, you know. So so you've got these various character archetypes that you'll recognize. But really, what you have here is, um, you know. People of color, and, and specifically in this case African Americans, you get this black community that is um, uh, preyed upon, actually. And and so there there are some there are some upsetting images in this. Like there's some I would call it uh, transgressive imagery of like you know they'll they'll have these on purge night they'll have a bunch of people dressed up like police officers, and and they'll be like attacking like one black man. You know, and um, you know, it's very upsetting stuff, and 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 so there are scenes like this in the in the film that I think are placed there, you know, specifically to I, I provide a commentary on um, some of the problems that we're facing in our modern society, and and so um, you know, especially for the struggle of uh, you know people who are uh, minority people of color, and. You know, in that way, Dave, you know, it feels like, how do I say? I mean, it feels like kind of an important film. It's not just a throwaway exploitation. Um, you know what I mean? And, and and it's not that it makes any profound points that, that we're not aware of, or at least I hope everyone is aware of the problems that are, you know, metaphorically represented here in this film. Uh, but you know it, it's there. It's it's all there on the screen, and so I think that you know if if things uh, in a dream world, let's just say in in ten twenty years from now, if things are much different and let's hope much better in some way, I, I honestly I think you could look back to this film and and see a representation uh, of of this time uh, of this era, and and I can't go into all the 
all the parallels and all the representation and symbolism in it because it would be spoiler stuff. But, you know, I, I feel like James DeMonico was uh, writing that stuff in and was trying to make a point here. And like I said, nothing profound, nothing we don't know already, but I think it's interesting when the horror cinema reflects the horrors that are happening in society. So that's pretty cool. What do you think about that, Dave? No, it sounds, uh, sounds interesting. Yeah, so that that's kind of cool to see that. So, so, you know, I wasn't expecting a lot from this because, you know, each of these Purge films ends up being pretty similar. I mean, the two I've seen prior to this, you know, it's it's basically the same concept. And so I'm like, okay, well, honestly, the the, the very first Purge film I saw in 2013, you know, as far as I was concerned, that was the first Purge because it was the first one I saw. <laughs> the first one I saw. So, so it didn't seem like this had anything new to offer as the quote-unquote first purge, you know, in a prequel setting. But I think because of the social commentary, um, it, it's, it has some value. So there you have it. Now, in terms of horror, once again, I think this follows more of the second film's kind of track where you've got action horror. I mean, it's tons of action. And, you know, there's, there's not a lot of, like, horror imagery. There are a few upsetting kills, you know, and, and, and they have people dressed up in masks and stuff. And, um, you know, so otherwise, it's more along the lines of the second purge rather than, you know, purge anarchy rather than the first one. So, but still, I think this is, um, if people like the purge series so far, I think it's worth your time. You know, I, I'd give it a seven out of 10, Dave, and I'd call it a, a rental. I mean, this is, this is one of those things that I would call like a perfect, red box rental for horror you know or stream it on netflix once it's there so i do think it's worth people's time so the first purge seven out of ten let's say rent it or red box all right dave you're gonna check out the first purge after i check out the other purges yes right and i'll just tell you um you didn't ask but in in case you were wondering if if any listeners are in your boat and they haven't seen any of these movies you might wonder should I watch the first Purge prior to, you know, starting the seat, you know, kind of watch them in story order rather than release order? And um, I would say no. I still think you should watch the 2013 Purge because it's the best one. That's how I'd like to. That's how I wanted. I, I like doing it that way anyway. Mm-hmm. Watch yeah. the first one that came out. And then because the, the I don't know. Yes, it's a prequel, but I don't think they designed it to be watched before all the other movies. That's not normally normally how they do it. So right, I mean, yeah, it, it would I, work. I would, it would work probably. But um, but honestly, I think there's some interest. I think what's neat about prequels sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's neat because you're so familiar with you know the mechanism, the story, and how it's built and the history of it. You you have all that knowledge going in, and so the joy is seeing how these things came together and were assembled. I mean, I think that's obvious. I probably didn't even need to state that, but that's that's the value of prequels is seeing how well, we got there. It, what makes it cool is that you're already familiar with it with having seen the other two movies. Right, and you see how it happened that Somebody way. Somebody watching the first Purge first before the other movies won't get that same feeling because they're not this this is all going to be new to them. Right. But it still builds and I especially think this one is interesting um, because the first half of the night, 
um, you know, I, I won't spoil it at all, but I think it's very surprising when the purge is underway and they do the big, the siren horn that tells you that, hey, the purge, the purge has begun. Um, it's interesting what happens in this film. And so that's kind of neat to see, especially playing into the history. So anyway, the first purge, seven out of 10, I call it a rental. And I say, check it out. All right, David. Now, um, I understand you're going to give us a little postmortem feedback on Cargo 2018. You finally caught up with that one. I've been dying for you to see it. It's streaming on Netflix. And tell us what you think. I did see it. I finally saw Cargo. I know we talked about it in a previous episode. Um, and I liked it. I, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, I liked uh, Martin Freeman. Is It's just one of those actors who's always, always reliable, always good oh yeah and 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 it doesn't matter if he's playing a sidekick or the star uh he he always he always comes through i think and and i think he definitely did in this film as well you know just real quick it's about a guy there's there's been a uh the zombie apocalypse um and this is set in australia and he's trying to um at first he's trying to um you know find a place for him his wife and their and their infant daughter but it eventually evolves into him trying to find somebody um, to take his daughter and to to keep her safe. Uh, the whole idea is after you are infected with whatever is going to turn you into a zombie, uh, you have 48 hours before the affection fully grabs hold. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not going into too much detail. We'll just sort of leave it at that. Um, but this is you know, like like most good zombie movies they're about other things and this one gets into something some uh issues with society um you have the aboriginal girl who is has figured out how to um keep her father who has been infected uh sort of under wraps and 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 keep it so that he's not going to harm anybody but but still she doesn't have to put him down Mm-hmm. And that's put her on the outs with the rest of her community because they they spend a lot of their time hunting down the the zombies and and wiping them out. Her mother and other you know other members of this Aboriginal tribe. Uh, but with Martin Freeman, and it's his character. It's it's about you know like his whole his whole existence now has become for his daughter and to find something, um, you know that bond of. I know she's never going to remember me. She'll never know me, but I don't care as long as I know that she's going to be safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that. And then you have this this thing right in the middle there where they run into this guy, um, kind of a kind of a loathsome character who feels that um, he's going to control uh, oil and resources. And and uh, when things go back to normal, he's going to be one of the ones who's going to be the richest. He's going to benefit from this once everything goes back to normal, um, which, you know, you sort of think, how's everything? How's anything going to go back to normal? But <laughs> right. um, that's what this character does. And he sort of plays into the movie a lot as well. I did. I did really like it. Uh, there's a scene set on a boat that I thought had, um, you know, a, a, a partially uh, sunken boat mm-hmm. that I thought had a lot of tension and um, there's there's two separate scenes set on that boat, actually, mm-hmm. that I thought worked um, and really added to the horror of of the situation. Uh, but no, I I was a I was a fan of it. I really was, and I would probably come in with like an eight point five. Nice. Okay. I'd say it's definitely worth saying. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly what um, Josh rated it as well, um, 8.5. When we reviewed it in episode 148, just a few episodes ago, um, I gave it a 9, and it is streaming on Netflix. And that was the one, Dave, it was um, adapted from its short film version. So the same filmmakers had a short film of this, oh, and, nice. and then they adapted it into um, this version. So if you haven't seen that, Dave, we have that linked in the show notes for episode 148. It's pretty cool. Um, but you know, whichever one you watch first kind of gives you, you know, gives it all away. So, I, I mean, I would, I love Martin Freeman, so I would recommend at this point, I don't know what I said before, but I'd recommend seeing the, the feature film first, which I'm glad that's what you did, Dave. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of drama, right? It's, it's like, there's, there's not a lot of like horror-esque scenes. It's more of like a horror concept. But it's kind it's of a, a slow a burn drama. Concept. There are, like I said, the the ones on that's um that sort of sunken boat. I thought worked mm, right. And there are some, you know, you you do get some when you see the zombies sort of um you know stumbling up the people and mm-hmm. um and, but yes, I mean, there is a lot of drama. It's it's because of the situation and what he's trying to do. Right. You My. Know, I, I think, honestly, aside from the fact that, like you said, he has to worry about finding his his child a suitable, you know, solution for the future. I mean, that's the number one horror aspect. But my second favorite thing about this, which is one of the great strengths, is how they address the stages. There are these stages of the um, the zombie virus infection which are really interesting in this. I think those are really well drawn out. So if, if people are right. zombie fans, I think just those stages are super cool. I'd always, they are really cool and they are handled on it. And it all depends on, on any other injury you might have. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have an injury where you're bleeding out, you're going to turn much quicker than yep. somebody who has just, you know, been bitten or has had a run in and or whatever. Yeah. Cause you, you do have to, to die, right? I mean, you, you once yes. you die, yes. then because so these are technically living dead. It's almost like a blend between living dead and infected, right? I mean, in a way, it is, and it, and it is interesting to see that sort of change. I got to tell you, one of my all time, and I don't think I've ever said this before, but real quick, one of my all time favorite change scenes in a movie was in 2004's Dawn of the Dead, mm. and it had Ving Rhames, and it was when the father who had the teenage daughter they had just shown up at the mall. And they found out that he was he was going to die, and he's sitting in a chair, and he knows he's going any any minute now. But he tells you no, know, Ving Rhames is holding a gun, and he's going to blow him away. But this guy's saying, "Wait until I'm gone." He goes, "You want every minute?" Wow. And then he just drifts off. I always I always thought that was one of the the great sort of change scenes mm-hmm. um, uh, in a zombie movie. Uh, but in this one, you're right. You get to see the stages. You get to see them um, slowly, uh, and then and then what happens to their skin and and everything. And that is really interesting. That was a, that was a, a, a nice little touch, nice little addition to this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, it's funny all the random thoughts that came into my mind from what you said. So like uh, the, the first random thought is. Uh, my favorite chain scene of all is is, is similar to yours, and this is a mild spoiler for um, uh, Twenty Eight Days Later from two thousand two, but um, Brendan Gleeson's change 
You know, oh, that whole yeah. predicament, that yeah. scenario. And um, on Movie Moments podcast with William Rowan Jr., I talked about that at length and how it affected me personally. If people want to check out Movie Moments podcast, um, I'll link that in the show notes. But yeah, that's my favorite change. And then the other thing, and I don't know why this popped in my head, so I apologize about how random this is, Dave. But um, in in the the film, let's see, it's the Ford Brothers. It's called The Dead. Yeah, that zombie yeah. film. I believe yeah, it's from, dead. Yep. from like 2013. I love how the zombies in that have bright blue eyes. And the reason I bring that up so randomly is because that was like one of the, the aspects of their condition. But also in, in the first purge, I forgot to mention <laughs> that they put in these contacts that record, you know, their acts of what they're doing. Oh. And, and and those contacts give them like glowing blue eyes and it's kind of creepy and it reminded oh, me of the zombies yeah. in, in uh, The Dead. But anyways, sorry about all that weird randomness. But <laughs> So anything else you want to say about Cargo, Dave? No, I think I, uh, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, except to tell people, definitely see it if you haven't yet. Okay, awesome. And I got a little review here. This is, you know how every once in a while, I love when this happens. You'll have a friend recommend something to you. And for whatever reason, you never heard of it before and you check it out and then you're pleased. So um, I got to give a shout out. I got to give credit where credit's due to my good friend and coworker, Lorna. And what I like about Lorna is she's a grandma, right? She's, I mean, this is a grandma who is also a horror fan. And that's that's a really rare thing, you know. I mean, you got. I mean, honestly, we talk about this all the time. We don't in our everyday lives. We don't encounter as many lady horror fans, which I love to do. And then, and now we're talking about a grandma horror fan. So, um, shout out, props to Lorna. Um, streaming on Netflix, she she told me about this film called Six Souls. Six, not sick. <laughs> Although that would that title would also work actually, but this is called Six Souls, and it's from 2003. Technically, Netflix calls it 2009. IMDb calls it 2010. Wikipedia does too. It has an alternate title called Shelter, but either way, on Netflix it's Six Souls, and um, this stars Julianne Moore and Jonathan uh, Reese Myers. Now. I love when horror fans have like some legit actors cast in it. Now, I'm not dogging all the indie actors because we've got some very fine indie actors. But, you know, we all can admit that sometimes the uh, performances in horror films can be a little bit rough. So when you have like somebody like Ethan Hawke showing up in Sinister, then you know you're in for a ride, you know, or, or like Naomi Watts in The Ring. Right? Or yeah. Jen- Jennifer mm-hmm. Conley in like Dark Water or whatever right, that thing was right. called. Dark Water it was. <clears throat> yeah. So so now we got um, Julianne Moore and um, and Jonathan Reese Myers. And I'll tell you, this what this reminded me of what most, I mean, Lorna said that she wanted me to watch it because she said it was super scary for her. And um, it is creepy. I watched it in two sittings because I got super tired. I was watching it late, late, late last night. So I watched the first half, like, I don't know, like 45, 50 minutes or something. And I, I was totally loving it and totally on board. But I, I, I am, this is regrettable. It's like they sewed two different stories together. 
And the first half of the movie I love. I think it's creepy and unsettling. And and then the second half of the movie uh, is like a... <laughs> because it opens up. You learn more about the horror and what's happening. And then you're like... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't love where it goes, to be honest with you. So um, I'll tell you a little bit about it. This was um, directed by uh, Mans Marland and uh, Bjorn Stein. And and uh, basically, Julianne Moore plays this female forensic psychiatrist. And um, she, her father is also um, in psychiatry as well. And, and she's kind of fascinated with multiple personalities. Now, I will just put out a little... I guess a warning or a disclaimer. This is one of those horror films that treats um, mental illness. I guess you could say, Dave, a little bit insensitively. You know, um, it, it's it's just it's the nature of our genre, right? I mean, they they just. I mean, we are more gentle and sympathetic these days, and as we become more enlightened about how to. Um, care for one another and respect one another right so we're a little more careful and politically correct and stuff but this treats people with like um multiple personality or dissociative identity disorder it treats them um like monsters a little bit and then so they say in there you know that that whole thing has been debunked and so you're she's a little bit skeptical but her dad says no you gotta meet you gotta meet this guy david he's he's special and and so um and that's played by Jonathan Rhys Myers. And this reminds me, initially, it reminds me a lot of Primal Fear. Did you see that one, Dave, with Richard Gere and Edward Norton? You know, I don't think I did. Again, I own it, but I don't think I've seen that one either. Okay. If I made a, a top 100 favorite movies list of all genres, it would definitely be on there. So, Dave, that's that's high on the list right there, buddy. I mean, that that is Ed Norton's best performance as far as I'm concerned. Purges, and I've got primal fear and i own all three of them so okay well i'll have to watch them if you don't mind me saying put this ahead of those primal fear so i mean it's okay. like a crime drama mystery you know and it's not like it's not a horror film per se but it's horror adjacent and i think pretty much any horror fan would appreciate it and listeners if you want to watch primal fear from 1996 i see it's streaming on amazon prime just putting it out there um and so I won't go into that, but in that in that movie, like Edward Norton has multiple personalities, and his performance is very creepy and unsettling. But in this movie, Six Souls, um, when we see him, Jonathan Reese Myers' character, when we see him change alters to another personality, it is very jarring and alarming because it, it's along the lines of um, James McAvoy in Split. It reminds me of Split. So this is like this is like a blend, Dave, between Split and Primal Fear a little bit. And that first half of the film is creepy because she wants to help this dude. She's trying to like understand who these alters are and where they come from. And I will tell people this does have a supernatural element to it. So um, there's definitely something like supernatural happening now. That's not my favorite type of subgenre, right? Because I mean, I would just be happy if it's just straightforward. You know, this is a real person. This person has mental illness, or you know. But anyway, there is a supernatural aspect to it, and um, the first half is tremendous. But then, 
as it unfolds and we learn more about like what's happening and why and who's involved, um, still creepy for sure. And it's very bleak and dark, you know, when we walk, you know, walk away from the film when it's over, Mm -hmm. it's, it's bleak, but you know, uh, definitely worth your time. This got panned terribly, Dave, on the internet. I mean, it was, I mean, people were so hard on this film and I think, that that's definitely undeserved. I mean, I can understand why, um, you know, people might be disappointed and where it ends up, but but still, I mean, I think I think it's definitely worth people's time. One little factoid I'm just going to mention to you here. It's so interesting to me, and I don't know how or why this happened, but Julianne Moore, she plays in um, Jurassic Park Two: Lost World, right? And and she plays a character named Sarah Harding, and in this right. film she plays a character named Kara Harding. So I don't know if they were just being funny and what, but they're both doctors, you know, in both films, and that's just a weird coincidence. Yeah. The other thing I'll mention, which probably nobody cares about, but this was shot around the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, which is kind of my stomping grounds, and um, you know. On the other side of Dave's home state. Yeah, P- Pittsburgh, the, the home of George Romero. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Or the Pittsburgh area. Right. Allegheny County, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, this this film, Six Souls, I'm glad Lorna recommended it to me. It is streaming on Netflix. Watch instantly so you can go watch it right now. And um, definitely worth your time for the first half. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to give this. Here's the thing. I'm going to give it a, a 7 out of 10. Because I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and um, I'm glad I watched it. So, seven, and I say stream it on Netflix. And, you know, I just prepare yourself, because I feel like for me, as as a guy who doesn't appreciate supernatural stuff as much, the ending's mm-hmm. a little underwhelming. You know how it is, Dave. When, yeah. when they explain the monster, and when you find out more about it, it takes the teeth out of it. It's less scary, right? Right. Okay, Dave. So, speaking of Split... <laughs> Um, we had uh, recently here the the Glass trailer just released. This is M. Night Shyamalan's Glass. Now, I know our buddy, uh, people like Dino, for example. Dino doesn't watch trailers. So, we're going to talk a little bit about this trailer, Dino. So, if you're if anybody's out there sensitive to spoilers or whatever, I mean, we're just going to talk about the content shown in the trailer. So, uh, Dave, um, a, you, you've seen unbreakable and split obviously right yes yes okay and so now that we're looking at this um glass trailer what what do you think about it i'm excited to see it i I am and it's uh i like that they bring back samuel l jackson's character i mean even unbreakable um you know bruce willis i thought was very good in that Mm -hmm. um quentin tarantino is a big fan of that movie and he came up with what i think was the best description of unbreakable he said the studio sort of dropped the ball with that movie he said they they could have done a lot better if they just promoted it as what if superman didn't realize he was superman Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of what unbreakable was um and that's it's a great you know bruce willis is really strong in that movie but for me i always thought that samuel l jackson's mr glass was the most interesting character in it oh yeah so to see him get a movie named after him, I think is awesome. You know, because yes. he's the super villain 
to to the uh, to the superhero, and um, then they're bringing in James McAvoy from Split. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm really looking forward to this now. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big M Night Shyamalan fan, uh, and you could even call me an M Night Shyamalan apologist. You know, he's had some um, films over the year that that people have been critical of, and you know, I can acknowledge some of the films that people don't like that you know that I might not like as much, but I usually I'm rooting for him always, and I I loved Split, and I think we all we all appreciated that film, but. But this this trailer, I got to be honest, it worries me a little bit, Dave. I'm a little bit really? worried. Yeah. What's that? Why is that? Well, for example, in Unbreakable, you know, we know that uh, Bruce Willis keeps it pretty low key. Like his son realizes and knows he's a superhero, but he, we keep it low key in that movie. And then, and then in uh, you know, we see from Split. This is still more or less supposed to be set in reality and and so it, it's just weird to me and and maybe the the film itself when it unfolds it'll explain how this happened or maybe this doesn't happen at all in the film but when there's the three of them are just sitting there calmly I will be honest with you I know what you're going to say that that it's a little strange that he was brought into that group they're they're sitting there calmly all talking about this yeah. superhero thing, and it's like that's that strikes me as a little cheesy. Another thing that bugs me um, about that is, you know, having just seen Incredibles two, <laughs> which just came out, there's a very similar scene where you have Mister Incredible, Elastigirl, and Frozone sitting and having a conversation. The three of them, <laughs> just like this, with with someone. I mean, it's it's very weird. And then another thing, when they show Beast the beast running um it conjures two things he runs a lot like the beast in um x-men and that character i mean the way he moved was similar to that and then also in that very terrible rob schneider animal movie <laughs> like, oh yes like yes. i mean it looks it looks okay the way james mcavoy is depicted running but but all of these things are adding up to make me worried. I don't know. I, I there was enough in there. I thought to sort of pique my interest. And in, and again, it's Samuel L. Jackson, right? You know, I I want to see more with that character. And I and this is what he's saying and and where it seems to be going from the trailer. I mean, it's only what three less than three minutes. Mm-hmm that we got um this seems to be going in that direction right okay well i mean (laughs) i'm hopeful i i really am i always hope for the best with m night Shyamalan, and i'm rooting for him always because you know i've said it many times my all-time favorite film in the world all genres is the village and i'm really proud of that and that's my favorite and it's his so i root for the dude every time but but anyway, that's the glass trailer. People can let us know what you thought in the show notes for episode 152. I'm sure Juan will troll me. Huh, Dave? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he'll come after me. Um, I, I just had a quick... I know people have talked this to death, but I just had a quick comment about the Halloween trailer. I saw that today. Again, I get to you know, watch it again and, and think about it. And... 
what I noticed, what really stood out to me, and this makes me super excited, is, is the same phenomenon we talked about earlier. When you have a genuine actor who's got a resume and some ability in a horror film, you know, you look at Jamie Lee Curtis in this trailer, mm-hmm. and Dave, she seems all in, like totally committed. And I really, I got the sense, Dave, from from watching her performance just in the trailer, I got the sense that, and this is total speculation, but it's like she knows how important her Halloween is to the Halloween fans. And and she's gotten all the love and like, you know, Greg Amortis, you know, told her (laughs) that he has a tattoo, showed her his tattoo, you know, of, of her, right? I mean, yep. I mean, people have done remarkable things in their fandom for Halloween, and and so I I really feel like she gets that and respects that, and I feel like her performance in this is almost like her her dedicating it to all the fans who have supported and loved her for so many years. I feel like she's given it her complete all to this. Would you, would you agree? From the clips that I seen, uh, that I've the, from the clips that I saw in the trailer, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, I would agree, and that's one of the things. <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things about the film, I think that's uh, got me most excited. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I thought it was interesting. I heard a few people online saying that you know because this now takes place after the first movie this mm-hmm. is pretending that everything after the first movie didn't happen yeah. which happens a lot with the halloween franchise is they seem to double back and and ignore you know uh h2o ignored four and five well three doesn't even you know three's out of that that whole universe but mm-hmm. um it, it was basically halloween halloween 2 and halloween h2o this is now right after halloween yeah. This is saying Halloween 2 never happened. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. What I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I'm intrigued by it and I'm I'm excited to see how this unfolds. I know everybody is. So I mean, we'll... I, exactly. And I and I think I'm really interested to see what they do with it cuz that sort of eliminates the whole family. Yeah. aspect. Right. And I honestly, I like I don't know if it's heresy, but that that seems a little refreshing to me. I'm excited to have this new open road for them to explore and um mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be creepy and I have a lot of hope in it. So I think yeah, it's going to be a scary too. film. I mean, I'm a fan of all the Halloween movies. I really am. Mm-hmm. I like them all. Yeah. Um, but I am looking forward to this one even if it sort of forget like it's forgetting a lot of the other films. I'm still looking I'm really looking forward to it. Right, me too. And and the only other um Two, two more quick things, and then we'll get to your collector's crypt. Um, so I haven't been able to watch this yet, but I really want to. Um, we have Castle Rock now on Hulu. Have you gotten a chance to check that out yet, Dave? No, I have not. Okay. Yeah, so for the, I'm sure everybody is aware of this, right? I mean, this is the... Uh, the the Stephen King related this is this is a from Stephen King and and J J Abrams here. Um, yeah, the, Castle Rock I think is the name of the town. Mm-hmm. I know it was in Stand by May, and I think that's sort of his go to town name, isn't it? Right, and there are tons, and like what his Castle Rock Entertainment, and and also like I mean, as we all know, Stephen King's universe is um, 
very rich and there's a lot of crossover stuff. And and my understanding, what I've heard about this, I've heard it's really good. Um, it's gotten it's gotten great reviews. Um, our buddy Ryan on Movie Podcast Weekly has been watching it. I haven't gotten to check it out yet, but I'm going to. And the only reason I bring it up here, and because I'm sure everybody's aware of it, is uh, the prison that they show in this in this series is in my hometown. It's in um, Moundsville, West Virginia. That is the um, the the penitentiary there. And um, so oh, okay. so I uh, yeah I, I I love it's just neat when something is filmed like right there in your hometown and stuff and and that, that's super cool and in that very prison I just want to tell people this I remember going to you know they moved the prisoners where the out of that prison and it was abandoned I mean I believe it still is it's not it doesn't serve as a prison currently and and so they did like um, a haunted prison tour at Halloween and I remember in 1999 going there <laughs> and um I was I was there on a date and we went through and uh at the end of the tour they had like Jason Voorhees with a chainsaw he revved up the chainsaw and chased you out of there and man everybody runs out of there at the end because it's super scary he comes out of the dark anyway that's that same prison and it's cool so I just wanted people to know that uh, that prison is very close. It's a few blocks away from where my Necromomicon lives, <laughs> my mom. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and you know, it's got some, some horror history, at least it serves as a haunted house. So it's cool. So when you see the prison scenes in Castle Rock, think of Jay of the Dead. Or don't, I guess. Anyways, <laughs> I'm excited about that. Um <clears throat> The the other thing I was gonna just mention here, and this is a um, this is this will be our little horror movie podcast PSA for the week. This is not horror, I would not say, at least not so far. But I've been checking out Sharp Objects on HBO, and I would say that it is um, kind of horror adjacent, or at least something that people who are into the macabre and uh, they would be interested in because it has a very similar tone and feel to uh, True, De- True Detective Season 1. Did you see that, Dave? True Detective Season 1? No, I never did. I never uh, got a chance to see any of the True Detectives. Okay, yeah, that, that first uh, Season 1 is, is tremendous. It's amazing. And this has that same feel, and it's like the Southern Gothic. Amy Adams plays in it, and it's about these... Um, um, she ha- she's a journalist, and she returns from the big city of St. Louis. She re- returns to her small town to investigate um, these murders that are happening. There's a serial killer killing little girls, and um, boy, it's it's troubling sometimes, Dave. I mean, it's dark and and bleak and kind of upsetting, but I'm loving it. I mean, it's a slow burn mystery, uh, great performances, and I just wanted to tell the horror fans about it because. I think you'd enjoy it a lot, even though it's it, thus far. I mean, it doesn't. It's not a horror, but it's still cool. And that's nice. called Sharp Objects, and you can watch that on HBO. Okay, Dave, I believe you have a very cool collector's crypt for us this week. This is um, a movie from I want to say 1987. I think it was released. Arrow Video has released a Blu-ray of it. Um, it came out on July 17th. Uh, just a couple weeks ago. And it is a movie called Doom Asylum. The tagline, at least as I see on the artwork here for 
Uh, Arrow is slashing with a snicker, slaughter with a smirk. Wow, so um, say that fast ten times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it is a horror comedy. And uh, anyway, let let me just get into it real quick. To set it up, the, the opening of the movie, uh, a lawyer and his client, a very good-looking blonde, are, wa- are driving down the road and talking about how he has just... Um, gotten her $5 million from her, from her ex-husband and how, what they're going to do with the money. They're going to, the woman's going to send her kid off to boarding school and the two of them are going to go, you know, jet down to the Caribbean and, and just they're in, you know, they're in love with each other, this lawyer and uh, his client. And, and as they're driving down the road, they get into an accident, you know, they're kissing and then they, um, he pulls back as he sees that he's about to hit this van. Um, he has plenty of time to avoid it, but yet there's still an accident. And that's a running theme in this movie. <laughs> everybody could have avoided, not everybody, but most people could have avoided what happened to them uh, just if, if they reacted as opposed <laughs> to sort of standing there and screaming. They all have slow reaction time for exactly, some reason. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Very slow. Some of them, it's almost it's, it's almost like, what are you doing? It's it's taking 10 minutes for this to guy to even get to you. It sounds like a uh, Saturday Night Live skit to me. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, there's a bad accident. Um, they're both still alive, but yet uh, in the next scene, the guy... Uh, is I don't remember what his name is here. Uh, let's see who the actor is. I think it's Mitch Hansen. Michael Rogan plays uh, Mitch Hansen, this lawyer. He's on a, a slab in a coroner, you know, in, in, in a coroner's laboratory. And they're dissecting him. They're pulling him apart. Well, he's still alive. Oh. And he gets up and he, this is all happens in the first five, ten minutes of the movie takes out the two coroners and he starts to inhabit this uh, asylum. I guess it becomes an abandoned asylum. And that's where he lives walking the halls, uh, lamenting the fact because his, his um, the, the woman did not survive the crash either uh, that, you know, saying she wants that he wants them to be together. He's basically lost his mind. Uh, 10 years later, a group of kids uh, show up in this asylum which also seems to have a a uh, a female rock group. I don't know if they're shooting a music video there or they're just practicing in this abandoned asylum. Uh, but you have these two groups who are you know not friendly with each other, and uh, at the same time, old Mitch uh, is still wandering the halls and he's taking them out one by one uh, as they wander into this asylum and in interesting ways each time it's one of the better things about the movie are the kill scenes are creative so this does fit into the slasher genre uh, pretty pretty nicely and and i don't think that's one that we covered during our slasher episodes so we might have name checked it i can't say for sure but i don't think we we covered it no i don't think so okay um and it's interesting because it is an early role for Kristen Davis, who would go on to Sex in the City, one of the main characters in Sex in the City. She's, she's you know, a lot younger here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm assuming she took acting lessons after her role. Oh, no. <laughs> in Doom Asylum, because none of the acting is, is particularly strong. Okay. Um, it's not all, it's, it's not terrible. I, would, I shouldn't say that. 
Um, I thought Michael Rogan did a good job as the killer. All oh. right. For, for what it was. Right. Um, and like I said, the kill scenes are creative and they're interesting. And the setting is what makes this movie really, really strong. I was hoping that the Blu-ray would have a special feature about this facility where they shot it. They shot it in an abandoned asylum. There's graffiti on the walls. Um, uh, there is one interview with uh, actress uh, uh, Ruth Collins. Uh, she played Tina, the lead singer of that band, of that of that all-female band. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how you didn't want to wander off in this place uh, because you would get lost and really easily. And she said she knows it was haunted. She doesn't take it any further than that, unfortunately. But she said there were absolutely ghosts in this place. And it was an, it was an insane asylum. I mean, that, you know, uh, for, that's what it was. That's what the building was. And that's where they filmed this, this movie. That is probably the best. That's very, it's the most interesting thing about the movie is the setting. And I loved it when they would be in there and you got to see this, this, uh, this abandoned hospital. Um, but the acting is not that strong. The comedy is not that funny. Uh, and what gets you is like I said, the kill scenes, even though they're cool, even though he has uses different weapons and, and, and whatnot, uh, in the scene with with well, I don't want to go into too many spoilers, but there are scenes where he is approaching these people and they are just uh, screaming. I mean, screaming for like a solid minute or it seems like. <laughs> yeah. Before he finally reaches them. If they had done anything but stand there and scream, they would have been OK. Right. And that happens a couple times in the movie. If, a couple times he sneaks up on people and there's nothing they can do. <laughs> but there were a couple like... times when one guy chases his baseball cards in there. And I thought it was really cool because I, I knew right away there were 1986 baseball cards. I used to collect baseball cards and um, I could tell right away which ones they were as they were blowing on the ground. Oh, you could see them. I bet. Um, I bet that's the era that I collected too. That was back in Daryl Strawberry era, right? That's right. Daryl Strawberry with the Mets. Oh, uh, he even throws out some names. He's got Wade Boggs and and um, Wally Joyner and and you know things like that. Were these were uh, these tops cards? Just curious. Yes, they were tops. They okay, were tops I'm pu- I'm pulling yeah. it up now on Google so I can like take a look yeah, at these. Yeah, they were tops cards. Um, and that was kind of cool. Yep, I remember these. I remember that year. Okay, okay. Yep, I collected them like crazy back then. Um, I love it, Dave. You and I are brothers, Dave. <laughs> I know. I didn't. I I didn't know you had a uh, collected baseball cards as well. I had. I think I I bought like I would just go in and buy the whole box of packs. You know, at that the uh, at the drugstore. Oh, totally. Just drive down there and buy the whole thing. Um, I got so many doubles, but it didn't matter. You know, oh, I was yeah. trying to get the whole set. I was trying to get the whole set by buying it through packs as opposed to buying a complete set. Exactly. I, ne- I never quite got there, but it was it was fun trying. Right. <laughs> but anyway, um, I can't say that Doom Asylum is a good movie. It's it's it, it has it, it has some things going for it. If you're an 80s slashers, uh, an 80s slasher fan, you're going to want to see it. Mm-hmm. but the acting is eh, it's never strong in a slasher movie we've talked about this ad nauseum now that that it's never as strong as it is in in some other uh sub of horror 
and it's particularly inept here in MTO. Even Kristen Davis, I was surprised. You know, uh, she's not that great in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the humor is not really that funny. It's it's just not. Um, and the killer does come up with some one liners as he's as he's polishing off his victims. Um, so, but but the setting is cool. The kill scenes are good. So I'm going to come with the right middle of the road, five out of 10. Okay. And say, if you are an 80s slashers fan, why did I keep saying slashers? <laughs> 80s slasher fan, you're going to want to see it. Um, anybody else should just sort of tread lightly. So this and is again, a, okay. this is an arrow video Blu-ray, uh, which are always great. I, I love the arrow. I love that arrow is finally here in the States and, and what they're releasing is always something that I want to see. Mm-hmm. And this was definitely something I want to see. I don't know about rewatchability though. That's my, that's the only thing. I don't know if I'd go back to it too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to sit through once. And it sounds like in terms of uh, this film, it's, it's more of a, a low priority rental then since you gave it a five. Oh yes, definitely. Definitely a low priority rental. Um, very low priority rental. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a fan of 80 slashers, it's a straight up avoid. Okay. So this is doom asylum from 1987. Dave gives it a five out of 10 and calls it a low priority rental. You know how, Dave, when when you have IMDb pulled up and then it'll show you some other films like referenced there on the page? Yeah. It was interesting. Like, I I just noticed because I had um, Doom Asylum pulled up, I noticed a film called Blood Hook from 1986. And I don't think I'm familiar with that, but it was like comedy horror, it says. And the premise is during a local fishing contest, People are being mysteriously dragged into the lake and killed by a giant fish hook. After a sufficient number of deaths, the killer is finally revealed. Obviously. But anyways, I think that's hilarious. And I see that it's streaming on Amazon Prime if somebody wanted to check out Blood Hook. (laughs) And did you see the other movie there in the lower right corner? Oh, what is it on your screen? Alice, Sweet Alice. Oh, yeah, buddy. You know it. That thing is classic. The other random fact I was going to tell you, Dave, I started, uh, you mentioned baseball cards. I wanted to tell you that I started collected hot and heavy, starting with the 1990 series of tops oh, okay. baseball cards. Okay. That was like my, probably my favorite series. I and, had, I had gotten into them early in 1977 whoa. when I was collecting and I was getting a lot of them. Um, and I had boxes and boxes of baseball cards from 77 through 83. And in 1983, uh, we had a fire in our attic that oh, took out all no. of my baseball cards from 1977 to 1983. Oh, that's terrible, Dave. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. That was that was the uh, that was the biggest loss for me that happened in the fire. It didn't spread through the house. It didn't destroy the house. Took out the attic um, and took out. Most of most of my baseball cards, a few of them that I had had down down with me um, survived, but most of them did not. I get you. OK, well, I'm sorry to hear that. We've been we've been so nostalgic tonight on here, haven't we? 
Yes, we have. And uh, just in time, because uh, Josh is back with us now, and uh, so we welcome back Wolfman Josh, and he's going to be introducing our special guest. I wanted to go back to a contest giveaway that we did several episodes ago. This was for the I Am Not Your Final Girl book of horror poetry by Claire C. Holland. And we reviewed that here on the Collector's Crypt, and then we said we're going to do a giveaway We did a post on our social media and we said any female who reposts it will be eligible to win the book so long as they're willing to come on the show and do a reading of one of their favorite poems from the book. So at this time, we would like to announce that the winner is Carmen the Vampire Slayer, a.k.a. at Wine and Horror Lover on Twitter. Carmen, welcome to Horror Movie Podcast. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. We're very happy to have you, and we're glad you could win Claire's book. And so you received it a few days ago, is that right? A little over a week ago, and it's it's amazing. It really is. I'm glad you like it. Are you willing to give us a reading of a, of a poem or two from the book? I am. I've actually read this book several times. And oh, cool. anyone that has this book, you need to read the foreword, the acknowledgments, like cover to cover, because... I would like to meet her. She's amazing. And she has a dog named Captain Brody, which was pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, tell us which one you're going to read. Okay. I have chosen um, Sophia from A Dark Song. I know you guys reviewed this and what a wild film. So I thought that was fitting and it has some personal significance as well. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. Sophia, A Dark Song from 2016 by Claire C. Holland. Are these... Hyacinth blossoms hanging on the air. Can I pluck them, stark as newborn stars, down into this world? Jewel my hair with dewy petals, dark as amethyst. The secret is this. Magic isn't magic. I can lay salt to stave off insanity, cruel spirits, unwanted gods. But if I lay my hands on you, will you falter? Dissolve beneath my palms and leave me gasping bare. When the signs begin to conjure themselves, Birds shattering into glass and smoky handprints on the door when I feel blood burning at the back of my throat and grief is a wild dog snapping jaws along my neck. Will I find you there still? If time is a circle, then I've been here before. Do you understand yet? It's sacrifice, brutal, and it leaves you staggering. If this is too savage and beautiful to hear, I'm sorry. The sea holds bodies too tired to swim, but there's no ending for me here. I will bathe myself in golden light like water. I will live. Amazing. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. <laughs> well that was great. That was excellent. Thank you. It was really it's cool. be- I mean, she's very talented. Yeah. So. And you're a talented reader, I might might add there. Oh, well, thank you. I yeah. have had a little bit of experience. I am an English major and reading poetry in front of people. And yeah. Fantastic. So. That's cool. Now, um, I understand, Carmen, you used to live in the Salt Lake City area. Is that correct? I am actually an Ogden native, born and raised. So I enjoy hearing all of your stories and um, <laughs> such. Um, and then I moved to the East Coast um, about three, oh, about three years ago. So it's been quite a change and experience, but it's amazing. I like being by the beach. Mm-hmm. I bet it's great. Yeah. What's your favorite horror film, if I may ask? Oh man! Well, I know yours. <laughs> Don't, um, don't suck up to this guy, Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't dare. Well, is it? I okay. Forgive me. Do I, I sometimes do get Josh and Dave mixed up? But one of you really like the Scream series. That's me. Josh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Dave yeah. probably might as well. 
too. I'm a fan of the Scream series too, but I know Josh, you're, it's, it's like means a lot. It's more, it's a lot more to you than, uh, than I guess to me, but I am a fan of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, it's not my, it's definitely, I mean, it's not my favorite. It's in my top 10, but it's definitely had some impact on my life, but Gosh, my favorite, I would have to say, um, you know, when I was reading um, her book, it reminded me of one of my, it's in my top three. It's got to be The Descent. Oh, yes. Because I I love the women. And you guys, you know, you reviewed this as well, but not only are you stuck, not only is it claustrophobic, not only do you have all this tension, but now you have these monsters after you and there's nowhere (laughs) to go. So I think it has everything and it's, you know, a bunch of kick butt women. And mm-hmm. I had some, did some climbing in Utah. And so it's just, I just think there's nothing wrong with that film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to see that yeah. if you're a horror fan. That's awesome. Amazing. That's a good one. Great pick. That's in my top three as well, huh, Josh? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. See? Well, Carmen, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to have to have you on again. You're a delightful guest, but we appreciate yeah, you coming on you. and reading from Claire's book. I think that was a cool giveaway and a fun way to do it. So we really appreciate that. People can follow you on Twitter at Wine and Horror Lover, just the letter N, Horror Lover. Is there any other way you'd like people to follow you or check things out that you're doing? Um, it's actually funny you say that. I've been working on a blog, but it's not quite ready yet, but it will be close to um, my Twitter feed and my Twitter name. It will be similar, cool. but I don't have that ready yet, so I'm not ready to announce anything on that. But but if they follow appreciate- you on Twitter, they can... Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I appreciate this opportunity, and I would love the chance to come back on. You guys, you don't even know. Like, I'm like, why isn't it up yet? Why isn't it up yet? <laughs> it's so, it's always you. my I fault. Know. <laughs> I love it. That's me. That's my you fault. You guys are great. Cool. So thank you so thank much you. for having an impact and actually making horror and making, you know, people that don't understand it, don't understand it. So I think there's a place for it and there you can face fears in a safe way. And it really, you get a film, say like The Descent, it gets, it gets in your soul and it does something to you. And you put yourself in situations like you don't in any kind of other genre, in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, so I think what you guys is doing, it's really important. I appreciate it a lot. Cool. Thank you. Awesome. We appreciate Carmen being here. And uh, Wolfman Josh had to jump off and take a work call, I believe. Who knows what it is? He's a busy man, always in demand, Dave. So, yes, so we'll take it on home from here. Um, just want to quickly tease what we're doing for our very next episode, episode 153. We are doing another Shark Attack episode, Shark Attack Part 2. We're coordinating this in time with the release of The Meg. I can't wait. I am looking forward to seeing The Meg, and I will see that in time for the episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and we're going to check out. Um, looks like we've gotten uh, 47 meters down written here, so I'll probably complain about that some. Um, we have uh, Deep Blue Sea, and then this year as well, we have Deep Blue Sea 2, the sequel, which is currently streaming. You could check that out. Might take a look at the reef. Anyway, we got a, a number of films. Yeah, I like it. I love the shark movies too. Yeah, and the reef um, is is one of my faves. And I have I have I will not have a reason to watch that. I've seen Deep Blue Sea. I really enjoy that movie. And it's I am fun. looking forward to seeing the Meg. Yeah, absolutely. So so that's gonna be the next episode. So everybody get your shark on with us in uh two weeks from now when we release Shark Attack Part Two. 
And um, otherwise, I think that just about wraps up episode 152 of Horror Movie Podcast. We're grateful that you were here. Thanks for putting up with all of our shenanigans and our... Because <laughs> David and I just talk and talk and talk about stuff. But, you know, we had a good time. We hope you had a good time, too. Um, we're grateful that Carmen uh, joined us. And it was wonderful to have her. And uh, we hope that you will all check out Carmen at Wine in horror lover on twitter and um she's going to be having a blog coming up soon so that's carmen the vampire slayer it's wonderful to have you if if those people out there don't know you could check out josh follow him on twitter at icarus arts and he also does um the majority of our horror movie podcast twitter twitter work there he does a great job on twitter for us and so you could follow josh there josh also has um Universal Monsters cast and movie Streamcast on the network so you can check them out those places. What about you, Dave? Where can listeners find more of your work? I have uh, DVDinfatuation.com uh, My 2500 reviews are all out there uh, on Twitter at DVDinfatuation uh, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and I do have uh, a Letterboxd account where I am uh, ad- where I have a list of of movies, uh, DVDs, and Blu-rays that I'm selling. I have a, not quite ready to announce yet, but I have a big announcement coming probably by the time the next episode as far as additions and what I was able to um, piece together from my collection. Uh, it's some exciting stuff. Uh, and again, that will be in a couple weeks. I'll be announcing that, but it is uh, a link on, on Letterboxd. Uh, it is in the show notes if you look under my uh, name that's one of the links there if you wanted to check it out it's dvds are two dollars blu-rays are three dollars um shipping because it's media mail and jay you thank you for putting me onto that mm-hmm. um the most i think i pay for shipping now is five dollars that's a, a decent sized box going to the all all the way to the other coast mm-hmm. so you're never going to the shipping charges are not going to be outlandish um, depending, it's going to be between three and five dollars. So if you get ten DVDs, uh, that'd be twenty dollars and five dollars shipping. So it, it, you know, it's a if, steal. If shipping. If you're afraid of the shipping charges being outlandish, it's never going to be more than five dollars. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's a total steal. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, I can't believe your prices too. I mean, we talked about it many times, but I mean. Dave gives some people the hookups there. So people should check that out every single day to see when he posts new stuff. And again, the, the link's going to be in the show notes. Yep. I'm also on um, other podcasts, Universal Monsters Cast uh, on the network, as well as We Deal in Lead. And of course, the uh, Land of the Creeps with Greg Mortis and Haddonfield Hatchet and Jesse Robbins. Yes. I uh, hope you'll check that out. And then um, as for me, I've got our little sister show to this one. It's called Movie Podcast Weekly. Bunch of clowns. We review new stuff that's in theaters and streaming online. It's all genres. So if you're a movie lover and you like to hear people goofing off, that's basically what it is, huh, Dave? Yeah, that's a pretty apt description. He's like, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I'll give you that. Yeah, that's what it is. That's at moviepodcastweekly.com. We love your comments, so make sure you get involved in the Horror Movie Podcast community. You can leave a comment in the show notes or email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. We also have voicemail at 801-382-8789. 
You can find all of our episodes, all 152 of them, at our website, horrormoviepodcast.com. iTunes only has the most recent, what, I don't know, 25 or so, but you could find all of our episodes, including our back archives of the weekly horror movie podcast, which was a different show, and Horror Metropolis. Between those two shows, you get some like 36 horror episodes. Good stuff. I mean, they're like at least two hours each, probably. So uh, make sure you check those out. And all of that's located at horrormoviepodcast.com. You can subscribe free in iTunes and leave us a review. We're also on Twitter at Horror Movie Cast. I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. And we also want to thank Kagan Breitenbach for his classical rendition of Fred's original theme. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. All those will be linked in the show notes here. So I think that's it for episode 152. Thank you for listening and join us again Friday after next for our Shark Attack Part 2 episode of Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror.